scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Again to the left circle. Passing to yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three rounds, another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk. Starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. All right, let's get it going for a brand new week. This hour underway on a Monday, March 20th from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. Steinberg coming at you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. And Wes, uh, we start a brand new week for the Flames with a Monday night game in Los Angeles. So I ask our... Hex line, first of all, how we feeling about things. And uh, I'm curious as to how the text line is feeling about things, optimism, pessimism, glass half full, glass half empty, all that type of stuff. Bright side, are you Mr. Bright side or are you feeling a little bit different? Uh, curious as to how everyone's feeling at 960-960. Curious to you how you're feeling if you're listening live. So here's the situation. Here's the context. The Flames enter the week with a 4-1-2 and record in their last seven games. I think it's fair to say that a 4-1-2 and record duplicated-ish twice more will put them in a pretty decent spot. They enter the week four back of Winnipeg for a playoff spot with one fewer game played, so they have actually got a game in hand now on the Jets four back. Week over week, Monday to Monday, the Flames have gone from six back of the Jets with even games to four back with a game in hand. So they definitely have made up some ground. They'll use their game in hand Monday against the Kings. And the roller coaster swings of emotion have been the thing that have been the most interesting to me. So I, and, and kind of just being in the, the belly of that beast, taking phone calls and reading texts and, and doing what I do. It's, it's just fun to observe. And by no means is this a criticism, but so Saturday bleak, Winnipeg, Nashville go to overtime. Jets win in overtime on Saturday afternoon. Then the Flames go out and lose 6-5 in overtime to Dallas on a night where they could have won, but they don't. And then 24 hours later, less than 24 hours later, the Jets lose in regulation. Nashville loses in regulation. And it's a completely different feeling. Like It went from this thing is over to... LFG, I'm back in. This thing is on. And I just, I and I love it. That's not a criticism at all. That's not a criticism. I'm not calling anybody a bandwagon jumper or fair weather. In fact, I would prefer you ride the roller coaster and be so out and so in, depending on how things go, because it's way better than apathy. It's way better than being checked out. And it means that on March 20th, the team that you cheer for is still playing for something, whether you think it's likely or not likely or whatever. So I just, uh, that, that's kind of where we are as we enter a brand new week, Wes. If if anybody was doubting the veracity of your LFG there, you hit the, the desk <laughs> so hard, the screensaver came off my computer. Oh, wow. Yeah. I rattled, I rattled yeah. your computer into awake mode. So that's impressive. I, I Wait think... till you get a password and you'll be able to use that thing. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. You know, I I think the biggest roller coaster swing we could see yet would be a Flames victory tonight in Los Angeles because at risk of punting on the question at at 4.06 in the afternoon, how are you feeling about things really hinges, I think, on whether you take advantage of that game in hand tonight. If If you beat the Los Angeles Kings and 
suddenly you're two points out of a playoff spot with even games. And I know the Nashville Predators are still a factor, but you just focus for now on the on the team that you have to catch. If you're two points out with a head-to-head game down the road, you can almost look at that as having an opportunity to make it square. Yeah, And so I think, you know, for us in the media, it's easy to say just, you know, we want the games to matter. There's nothing better for us than covering games that mean something. I said when we were sitting here last week throwing this around, I would hate if that game in Winnipeg in early April and that game at home against the Nashville Predators, I think two or three nights later, I would hate for those games to mean nothing. And I, I kind of feel like the Nashville game might mean nothing. Yeah. I just, and, and maybe I'm wrong. I know that they've got the games in hand and all that type of stuff. And that that's the stocking horse, but man, that schedule is hard. The schedule is brutal. Their team was completely, uh, was, was completely dismembered at the trade deadline. And for good reason, I still agree with what Nashville did. I just think they're going to run out of gas. And I think that schedule and what they are, Yossi's hurt now. Yeah. Do you see that blue line they employed in what was the final score against the Rangers? I think they were on pace. Seven rep. It was on pace for 18 nothing after 20. It was only 7 nothing. Now, in fairness, the Dal- I just don't feel it on Nashville, that's all. The Dallas Stars were on pace to win 60 nothing the other night. So that's let's, fair point, let's not you. get too carried away on the pace, but... Yeah, I agree with you. A goal I, a minute. Let's go. I, I know you can't tweet something about the Flames and Jets without five replies that say, oh, don't forget the Predators. Don't forget the Predators. And and sure, don't forget the Predators. But I'm with you. When you look at just how compressed the Flames schedule is for the next three weeks, and then you add three more games in there. Yeah. So... One, you're going a million miles an hour. I don't care who's left on your roster. And then you take Ryan Johansson out. And then you take Philip Forsberg out. Now you have Roman Yossi out. UC Saros is a hell of a goalie, but this this is a job yeah. for the Nashville Predators. Over at Money Puck, the playoff projections or, or playoff chances, uh, Calgary is the last one with kind of real playoff chances by their metric in the Western Conference. They're at 40.9% after everything that happened on Sunday. The Jets are at 63.5%, and Nashville's at 7.3%. So that's the way things look right now when it comes to Money Puck's projections, which are not everything, but they're the one that I, I like to check most often because they do a lot of the things that I like and they, they factor in a lot of the things that I like. So, um, you know, expected goals and possession and strength of schedule and all that type of stuff. So it's going to be interesting. And and the reason, if I can yeah, just jump in, the reason I love the Money Puck projections is... They'll surprise you sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, there there's times, and there's been times going back a couple of weeks where I figured the Calgary Flames percentage would be really bleak, that it was still at 20 or, or 25. So it, it's not as simple as just, you know, how you would kind of eyeball it. That's what I love about the projections at Money Pie. Well, and they're, what's fascinating is because they take into account all kinds of different things, not just the standings, not just strength of schedule, um, they actually, so they have the Flames as the ninth best odds to make the playoffs in the West, and yet the eighth best odds overall to win the Stanley Cup. And and so I, I find that really interesting. And, and the reason is, 
not just because they look at how the, the path, the playoffs, or who they have to play or how far back they are. They look at lineups. They look at roster. They look at expected goals. They look at possession. Uh, they look at potential playoff matchups. I find that uh, quite interesting. They're uh, the number four team uh, in terms of their odds to win the Cup. Edmonton, L.A., Dallas, Calgary are the top four teams in terms of their odds to win the Stanley Cup, yet they're ninth to make the playoffs. That's which... just the magic of taking overtime three-on-three three out of the mix, isn't it? Probably a good, you know, your your four and twelve in overtime is not uh, is not something that you have to worry about once you get to the postseason. I believe they were what they were one and one in overtime in the playoffs last year, so that's way better. Five on five, they won one. They they the only overtime games they played ended series game seven and game five. I think that's right. Did they have an overtime game against Edmonton before that? I don't think they did. No, I, you know, that's a good question. Was there only one in the Dallas series, despite yeah, how close seven. those games were? Yeah. yeah. And then game five against Edmonton. Game four against Edmonton, the Flames came all the way back. And right. Mike Smith was getting mad at his teammates for somehow allowing him to allow a goal from the other end. But uh, Nuge scored that goal late, and they won it in regulation. So, um, you know, it's it's just, I love, I, I honestly do love the roller coaster. I I. I think it makes this way more exciting. Um, and despite the fact that I don't really feel strikingly different now about Calgary's playoff chances than I did a couple of weeks ago when we looked at a seven-point deficit, my feel then was it's an uphill climb, but everything's still on the table. And that's just how I look at it right now. Still uphill, maybe less steep. I don't know. We'll find out after the game in L.A. Um, maybe it'll become a whole lot less steep, or maybe it'll feel a little steeper. Who knows? But it just it's one of those situations where it makes it more fun to see Twitter react and to see all of a sudden I was getting texts from my friends last night. Like, Hey, do you see the, the jets and the predator? I'm like, yes, but I got, <laughs> right. I have yeah. the internet. I'm very well aware of, of the, uh, I just, but I love it. It's good. And, uh, I, I hope that at the very worst that we're talking about each night, meaning something and flames fans being able to, be excited about the game that the Flames are playing and also the out-of-town scoreboard still meaning something. like That's at this point for where they are, that's kind of, in a lot of ways, all you can ask for is that the final 12 games, that a good chunk, if not all of them, are meaningful until game 82 on April 12th. Let me put you on the spot a little because you just said, I'm not sure I feel a lot different than I did a couple weeks ago. Save me getting in the queue tonight on overtime with a victory... For the Calgary Flames in Los Angeles yeah. tonight, do you feel different? Uh, even games, two points. Yeah, I'll feel. I'll feel like, hey, they've they've made up some ground, which is something they have not, and they have made up some ground week over week. Sure, but yeah, I'll probably. I guess what I'm saying is, I have not. I, I've been trying to keep the optimism door open over the last couple of weeks to balance all the negativity, and so yeah, I'll still. I, I was optimistic and tried to be over the last few weeks and. Definitely would remain optimistic if they're able to beat the LA Kings for a second time this year. It It's easy to be more pessimistic than, for example, the projections at Money Puck based on not just the roller coaster that the fans have been on, based on the roller coaster that the Calgary Flames have been on. You know, this is a team that just when some people start to get excited or start to get optimistic. Yep. There's a game like we saw at home against the Anaheim Ducks. There, There's a gut punch that takes you kind of down a notch. And so 
I understand where pessimism could come from at this point. Hey, this team has been so predictably unpredictable that they could lay an egg tonight in Los Angeles. Yeah. I don't think they're going to, but but that's a big part of the roller coaster ride is not just results based, but sometimes performance based. It's hard to know what you're going to get from this group. But I remember you and I sitting here, I'd be going back to December, January, like it felt and we had these conversations. It felt like it was going to be down to the wire yeah. with this team. And a couple there. weeks ago, I wasn't sure if it was still going to be down to the wire. You know, we we had conversations in here about when you'd get young guys in the lineup. Well, today, especially with a win tonight, but sort of regardless, today it sure feels like this thing's going right down to the wire. You ready for the text line roller coaster? Yeah, can I take the rest of the segment off? Yeah, absolutely. You're good to go. Uh, to, <laughs> go, go hang out on 7th Ave. Say hello to the transit officers. You got all kinds of time. Um, so this says, even if the Flames were four up, I would be nervously optimistic. Just have to play the games you never know. Sam says, Pat, I'm still not really feeling optimistic due to the track record of the Flames this season, a team that hasn't gone on any run beyond three wins. If they can pull off back-to-back wins against the Kings and Ducks and draw even with the Jets potentially, my gut's telling me they'll still miss by a point or two. So I told you, roller coaster. That's from Sam. I was, If I can jump yeah. in, you know, I'm sure we both grew up on Callaway Park. Yeah. It's kind of more of a log ride guy. Yeah, I was afraid of that roller coaster for the longest time. And then when I wasn't afraid, I was like, oh, this roller coaster is not as good as yeah. know, the ones at Six Flags. So. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Dude, Callaway Park, love it. You you really grew up, you live, grew up next door to Callaway Park. Like literally, I believe you lived oh. in one of, the, oh. one of the shacks there, right? I did not own a hat that did not end up in the pond around the log ride at Callaway Park at some point in my youth. It's like a... Cochrane Rite of Passage. You go there every weekend, I would imagine. It's right there. Even weekdays. Yeah, well, that's ridiculous. A little less crowded. Uh, this, Don says, good, bad, or indifferent. I believe this is their playoffs right now. Every game is almost a must win. If they continue to the next series in April, they have to get through March successfully. Uh, this says, let's not kid ourselves. The Flames are in the race. Like you said, Pat, for good or bad, ride the roller coaster. It's sports. Come on, folks. Let's get geared up. Jamie says, to quote Peter Griffin, all I know for sure is my gut says maybe. It's so up and down. I have a sore neck. Wins when you don't expect them. Overtime losses where they should be wins. It's tumultuous to say the least. Uh, this from Walshie in Strath, Vegas. Working hard for that ninth place finish. They're done and have been for a while. This says I'm positive, Pat. Stay positive. They're close. Uh, this, I'm glass half full. Um, this, Pat, I gotta say, as it stands right now, I'm glass half full. They're in a better position now than they were last week. Any ground gained is good ground, so hopefully they keep building. And finally, I'm sick of the roller coaster. Pick one, win or lose. That's from Brian in Calgary. So kind of all over the place in terms of where you sit, and I think that is very natural and also very understandable. A little more optimism, though, than we've mm-hmm. seen in, in recent days, I Agreed would say. on that front. Yeah. And, you know, it was a, uh, by the way, it's Pat and Wes, this hour of Flamestock underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon, live on Sportsnet 960, the fan, where the text line remains open at 960-960. And that really was a a mixed bag game against Dallas, too. Like, that game kind of encapsulated the whole season. You're like, 
damn, there's some really, really good stuff here. Like, holy, the Flames look great. But also you're like, oh, my goodness, they look horrible. What what team are we watching? <laughs> and then they lost a one-goal game. Like Everything that went into and an overtime game, everything that went into Saturday was kind of the season for the Calgary Flames. Just an awful start, awful first period where they looked like they didn't belong in the league. And then from about the six or seven mar- minute mark of the second period, they were dynamite and, and really were pretty good from that point forward. They took two leads, couldn't hold them, went to overtime in their 41st one goal game of the season and then lost in overtime. It was just kind of one game that you could just put up. Yeah, this is the season for the Calgary Flames. Sometimes they look great. Sometimes they look not great or really bad. They play in a lot of one-goal games, and they lose a lot in overtime. And that was Saturday. Sitting there as a, a newspaper writer, you're always trying to figure out as the game goes on. Okay. I look at you as a multimedia specialist if I'm if I'm going to be. I always wondered if you hung on to that business card. Thank you. Yeah. You're sitting there trying to figure out what the storyline of the game is. You know, you're trying to sort of strip it all away and what what is the storyline of the game. And. I can't tell you how many potential storylines we went through on Saturday, right? The yep. start, it, you give up two in the first minute 58. Okay, well, the start might might crush you tonight. Then they get one back. Still don't look great going to the intermission two down. Well, you know, then there's the resilience that we saw out of them in the, the second period. The Rasmus Anderson makes an all-world saucer pass suddenly, they're leading the game. Then Dallas responds again. Then, you know, you, you go into the third. Oh, hey, well, here's the story. They never lose when Rasmus Anderson scores. Yep. You get, you know, go ahead goal. It's going to be 16 in a row. And then, you know, it's a tough spot, point blank. But that shot leaks through Jacob Markstrom, who by my count has at that point given up two or three tough ones. And suddenly it looks like the storyline might be Jacob Markstrom again. And then... We go into overtime and write the most regular story of all, a Flames overtime loss. Yeah. It, it was just, you talk about the roller coaster of the past weeks and months, that game, and, and it was a fun one. It, it was Yeah, it was a entertainment really entertaining value. game for sure. Awesome. But what a roller coaster it must have been if you were sitting in the seats. Well, so do you look at it as a uh, point gained or a point lost? Whew. Think on that. Listen, listen to Blake Coleman because I think it's pretty clear he joined us on our Flames Talk post game Saturday. You think on that while you think on that young man. <laughs> while uh, while Blake Coleman, we hear from him. This was him on Saturday live on our Flames Talk post game. Now again, five minutes after the loss, but I don't think he was looking at it as a point gained. Too slow of a start. Um, gave him an opportunity to get a lead, and then uh, you know on the other side of it, it was a good pushback in the second, uh, third as well. I thought. Uh, you know, I thought we deserved better. Uh, aside from our start, I think uh, the rest of our game was really solid. Um, you know, just was, you know, another uh, just another OT loss that just you know these losing these points is crushing us, and uh, you know it uh, it stings. But you know, we're right back at it here. We got two big games coming up. Yeah, I know that you know stings right after a game, and obviously frustrating the way things went. But just overall, you got 12 to go. You're right there. Everything's still on the table. Can you just kind of take us through the overall mindset of the group as you head back on the road? Yeah, we just just win. Um, we just need to win games. That's it. I think uh, we all believe in what we got in the room, and um, you know everyone's frustrated. Uh, fans, players, 
uh, media, whatever, whatever it is, everyone's frustrated because we all think we got better and we all think we uh, should be in a better spot. And uh, the only way to get there is to win and, and to work. And uh, nobody's going to feel sorry for us. So at the end of the day, it's it's on us. And um, you know, four points on this road trip would be uh, pretty big time for for our team. So that was Blake Coleman on Saturday with us on Flames Talk post game. He sounded like that felt more like a point lost. You know, the the only thing that has me leaning towards point gained yeah. is the caliber of the opponent and the fact that you're down two nothing and three one. It should have been two points lost early on. Yeah, and and so I could. I could actually skew point gained on Saturday, and it's it's hard to do. Certainly, you know, I, I was fairly negative in what I wrote that night in terms of the fact that when you get a game to overtime, you have to find a way to win some of these. You know, as I wrote on Saturday, it was 80s night at the Saddle Dome, the only rink in the NHL where people might genuinely miss ties because at least it wouldn't be another overtime loss. So I... I think I could go point gained, but it's going to be yet another one that if you miss by one or miss by two, you look back and, and sort of wonder. You know, I think I actually do skew point gained, and I say that because, you know, when you take a look at the playoff mix and the way things are standing right now, everybody everybody ragged, like, in this city. People were criticizing Montreal two years ago for getting to the playoffs with all those loser points, right? And we know they went to the Stanley Cup final and blah, 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 blah. But the Flames will make the playoffs thanks in large part to the seven and a half wins they've gotten via loser points. That's that's what it comes down to. They have 15 points in games they've lost. And that's... That's the, incredible. The, the Winnipeg Jets have eight more wins than Calgary does. That by... Like, usually, oh, well, they should be... They're, they're, they're four points apart, right? That is, that's why I skew towards point gain because at this point, I don't expect the Flames to win very often in overtime because they got the second worst overtime record in the league. But they play in a lot of one goal games. They keep them close. And that's the fact that they keep games close allows them to keep themselves close in this. Like in reality, the Flames have lost 46, uh, sorry, uh, 39 games and won 31 this year. They've lost eight more than they've won this year, but because in 15 of those losses, they've gotten a point. So that, that's why I skew towards point gained because they're only in this because they can get games to extra time. And yes, you can sit there screaming at your your speaker and say, yeah, but have they won a few more of those overtime games? And if their record was... Eight and eight instead of four and twelve. Well, they'd be ahead or tied with Winnipeg right now. Absolutely, they would be. That's not unfair. But the fact that they've just gotten these games to this point is enough to keep them close. Yeah, yeah. And I think point gained is fair. I, I if you went through the sixteen and and sort of started sorting them into piles, I, I think there's been more points lost than there have been points gained. But it, you know, if you sit down and say, okay, well. Lost an OT in Chicago. Okay, chuck that over in the point loss. Oh, we won. Not one, sorry. We got a point at home against Dallas. I could put that one in point game. Yeah. It would probably be the smaller of the two piles, but I could put it there. There's definitely been some hollow points points gained. Well, and you mentioned what happened on the out-of-town scoreboard. 
So if you were the only team that didn't, and when I say the only team, I mean out of the three in this wild card yeah. mix. If the if the Jets win in overtime in Nashville, the Predators get a single point out of it, and the Calgary Flames get skunked at home yep. on Saturday night, especially if they get skunked by virtue of the way that game started to spot a really good team, a two-goal lead, we'd be having a lot different conversation today. I do think it's important that they figure out overtime because I feel like in the final 12 games, there's going to be at least a few more games that get beyond 60 because that's just been what it has been this year. It'd be, it'd be, uh, they've won a few games in a shootout. Like they've been to extra time a lot. Again, well over half of their games this year have been decided by one game, by one goal rather. So it feels like they will go to overtime again. Eh, They're going to need an overtime win or two here. Um, between now and the end of the regular season. I kind of feel like that's the case. Funny enough, the last time they were in L.A., it was decided in overtime. Both games against L.A. this year, one-goal games. That's who they're playing on Monday night. And the next night in Anaheim? I believe the last time they were in Anaheim, they won in overtime. Yeah. Rasmus Anderson, right? Rasmus Anderson. The Christmas walk-off. That's right. That's right. Uh, The uh, right to uh, head them into the the break. Um. So that's where we are right now, and I'll read you a few more texts as we uh, wrap things up before the roundtable. Uh, this says, a lot of optimism in Flamesland today, which means a guaranteed loss tonight. That's nice and pessimistic, um, which I love it all. Brett and Calgary, I don't know how to feel, Pat. It's been a roller coaster ride of doom this season, and I honestly can't tell you if they'll make it or not. All I know is that I feel like that Katy Perry song. They're hot and they're cold. They're yes and they're no. Uh, they're in and they're out and they're up and they're down. Uh, I'm so dizzy from it all this season, but I'll always keep hope in the boys. That, um, that's a good reference, by the way. Well I mean, done. I was wondering if he was going to margarita with extra cheese on it. I was, I was wondering how he was going to land that one, <laughs> but uh, solid reference. That's the latest Katy Perry song. This that's was, a banger. It is. You know, most of Katy Perry songs, pretty close to banger territory. Uh, this says Pat Saturday was the whole season played well enough to win, but goaltending let him down. Uh, this says Eileen point gained simply because Dallas felt like a scheduled loss. And then they still battled back from a two goal deficit twice. Um, Can you, and let me jump in yeah. one more time. Can you have a scheduled loss at home? Probably not. You kind of, especially with how poor they've been for the most part on home ice, probably can't have any more scheduled home losses. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Wedley says, don't dream it's over, Pat. Uh, well done, Wedley. And hopefully that song continues to treat you and serve you well. It's Pat and Wes. Uh, okay. Uh, I do want to tell you about a- uh, AEW House Rules. So All Elite Wrestling is on its way to Calgary for Stampede. They're coming in, invading the Scotiabank Saddledom for the first time ever on Saturday, July 15th for the House Rules Tour. Tickets are available now. They went on sale Friday, so they're available now through Ticketmaster. 36 75 is where they start plus fees and taxes so it's AEW house rules at the dome at Stampede Saturday July 15th tickets available now all the info at alleliterestling.com one more time alleliterestling.com Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 
Okay, Daily Flames roundtable time on this Monday. Brought to you, as always, by our friends at Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Loyalty customers save up to 0.99 interest rates on all in-stock 2022 models only until this Saturday, only at Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. It's Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. Gents, let's start with Nazem Kadri. He has hovered around 13 minutes in his last two games. He was benched for the last few minutes of the third period on Saturday and did not see a shift in overtime against the Dallas Stars. Guys, how badly do the Flames need Kadri back up to his level? How badly do the Flames need Kadri to be an every-night driver down the stretch? Really badly. I never in a million years thought that Nazem Kadri would be centering the Flames' fourth line. And that's where we're at right now. And it goes beyond just the lack of goals, assists, and points for me. And he's goalless in 14 games dating back to February 18th. He does have eight assists during that stretch. But for me, it's more about how he's playing. He just, he isn't playing with any edge. And that's when he's at his best. Not only does he score more goals and produce more points when he plays that way, but he's also a pain in the butt to play against. If you go back to 2012-2013, Nazem Kadri has drawn 397 penalties, more than any other player in the NHL. But you've got to play the right way to get your goals and get your points and to force the other team into taking penalties on you. And he hasn't played that way for quite some time. And I wonder if he's dealing with an injury or an illness. That would be one way to explain it. But he just doesn't have a lot of jump in his step. And you know, I think back to the start of the season, guys. I thought he was hands down their best player earlier this season. Didn't even think it was close. And now we're at a point where he's, you know, in the 12, 13, 14 minute range and not out there when the Flames are playing three on three overtime. And he would have been a a no brainer to be out there earlier in the season. And the Flames need more from him. And I'm really hoping that uh, being on a line with two guys who play with pace tonight and Jacob Pelche, who should have lots of jump in his step in his return to the lineup, and Dylan Dubé, who's having a career year, will help Nazem Kadri play with more pace. Because when I asked Daryl Sutter about it last week, he said if is going to get back to being at or near the top of his game, he's got to have to play with more pace. So hopefully uh, Pelche and Dubé bring that out of him tonight. I would absolutely echo your answer, which is very badly. They, The Calgary Flames... They're going to need everybody on board that, you know, that they're not going to be able to have a lot of passengers, especially among those key guys, if they're going to get into that wild card spot. But Nazem Kadri for me, probably has the most to elevate because I, I think yeah. he's been their most disappointing forward going back to the all-star break. You know, Derek, you mentioned goalless in, in 14, which is obviously a startling stat in, in itself. He has two goals in 20 games since the All-Star break. We're not talking about a guy who's been in a funk for a week. This this has really stretched on for Nazem Kadri, and, and I think that's the biggest concern. He's also a team worst, minus seven, tied with Nikita Zadorov since the All-Star game in that category. We know that the head coach ha- has made it clear and mentioned again today to reporters in Los Angeles that he needs more consistency out of Zadorov. He would certainly be saying the same about Nazem Kadri. In fact, he said it without saying it by the way he's used them in these past few games. It, mm-hmm. You go look at his ice time. 
If you just look at his four lowest ice time totals of the season, three of them are these past three games. This this isn't just getting benched for the last few minutes and for overtime on Saturday, although that sticks out. The coach is sending a pretty clear message, and the sooner that Nazem Kadri responds to that in terms of his on-ice performance, the better for the Calgary Flames. So I don't think there's anything more important down the stretch than... Kadri getting back to being one of their better players. So I don't think that the money means everything, but he's currently their highest paid player. He has not looked anything like their highest paid player since the break. It's funny. Wedley, I I, I said since the break, and I'm with you, like since the all-star break, since he was Calgary's lone all-star, it has just been nowhere near as close. Wedley wondered whether it was the Truba hit, which was the first game out of the All-Star break. I don't know, but I do know that sometime around early February, this thing started to drop off in a big, big way. And we've seen flashes here and there in the month and a half since, but it hasn't been anywhere near where it can be. And more importantly, where the Flames needed to be. I don't know how many times I've said this over the last number of weeks, but guys, when you're a Flames team that is not built on high-end talent, you don't have a number one line that can close their eyes and win hockey games for you like you did last year. You are a sum-of-your-parts team. And when the most important of those parts is nowhere close to pulling their weight, you're going to struggle. And that's... Huberto seems like maybe he's starting to become a little bit more productive here. And we've seen Uyghur's game come into form. Obviously, Markstrom, save Saturday, has been at a really, really high level of late. They need that for Lindholm's game has taken leaps and bounds over the last couple of weeks. He looks like a Selkie Trophy frontrunner again over the last few weeks. And then there's Kadri, who is kind of the the sticking out like a sore thumb type player in terms of what they need from him and what he needs to bring. And it's it's frustrating because I'm such a big fan of the player and what he brings, and I know what he's capable of. And I don't know if if there's some button heads going on behind closed doors between him and the coach. I don't know if if he's just frustrated because of the lack of production or what is going on, but. I am pretty confident that if Kadri doesn't find it in the final 12, that they won't be going to the playoffs. And I am 1,000% confident that even if they do make the playoffs, if Kadri doesn't find it come the postseason, they're going nowhere in the playoffs. So they they absolutely need us. It might need it. It might be the most important thing that happens between now, especially because Markstrom seems to have figured it out between now and the end of the season. Yeah, and the numbers for the Flames, two biggest offseason additions have really fallen off from last year to this year. Yeah. You know, Jonathan Huberdeau's gone from 1.44 points per game down to 0.69. Nazem Kadri from 1.23 points per game down to 0.70. Those are the two biggest drops in points per game in the league from last season to this season, which does make me wonder, is there a common denominator? Now, that's something we might not find out uh, until the end of the season or ever. And ultimately, it's up to the players to go out there and perform, regardless of what may or may not be going on behind the scenes. So for the Flames to get to the playoffs, they're going to need both Huberto and Kadri to be better. Huberto has been a little bit better. He's got four points in his last four games. Kadri is playing his worst hockey of the season right now. I don't think there's any ifs, fans or buts about that. They're going to need more from him, not just offensively, but just 
being tough to play against because he can bring that to the table maybe more so than any other member of this team when he's right. So uh, hopefully they get going sometime soon. Uh, and if they do, then I like the Flames' chances uh, to push for that final playoff spot in the Western Conference. If they don't, uh, I think it's going to be tough because as we've heard from Daryl Sutter and every other head coach ever, if your best players aren't your best players pretty consistently, you're going to have a tough time winning. And that certainly applies for Hubert O'Cadry and the Flames. Uh, okay, Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek West and Pat on this Monday. Jacob Pelche comes back into the lineup on Monday. He's missed the last two games as a healthy scratch. Uh, there's been a lot of discourse about that over the last little bit since he came out of the lineup for Thursday's win over Vegas, did not get back in for the OT loss against Dallas on Saturday. Looks like he will, though, with Walker Dewar drawing out of the lineup against the Kings. 22 games into his NHL schedule, 22 straight games for Jacob Pelche before sitting down for two. How do we evaluate the first 22 games of Pelche's career now that he comes back into the lineup? Pretty good. Three goals, four assists, and seven points, 44 shots. He always seems to have two or three shots a game. Has averaged 14 minutes and 17 seconds. We just talked about Nazem Kadri's ice time. Pretty impressive that a 22-year-old rookie, 21 and now 22, and Jacob Pelche has averaged over 14 minutes per game. And uh, I know that he struggled offensively of late, pointless in seven and goalless in nine, but he's still been fairly productive for a first-year player playing for uh, a team that, as a head coach uh, who can be tough on young players, but who can also bring the best out in not only young players, but old players. And uh, I do wonder if uh, making Jacob Pelche a healthy scratch in the last couple of games will bring the best out of him tonight. Uh, He had played in 22 straight games to start his NHL career. So I'm sure it was a shock to the system not playing in the last two. And uh, I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to get back in there tonight. But, you know, he's been such a great story because, of course, uh, didn't have a great training camp in preseason, went down to the Calgary Wranglers, didn't get off to a great start in the American Hockey League this season, but slowly but surely found his game, got called up, had to pay his dues, so to speak, uh, waiting to finally make his NHL debut, did, and then played in 22 straight games. And in a way, he's been a breath of fresh air for the Flames, not only on the ice, because we get to see that uh, on the TV broadcast and when we're in the building, uh, get to see it in person for home games. But I think off the ice as well, and just uh, pulling the curtain back a little bit, I was in the dressing room the other day, and this was a game day where he wasn't playing. He was a healthy scratch, so you almost expect him to be in a bad mood, but I'm not sure Jacob Pelche has ever been in a bad mood. So he crossed paths with Troy Stetcher, and there's a striking resemblance between those two guys. So I stopped Jacob, and I said, hey, is Troy your older brother? (laughs) He laughed out loud, and he says, right? Because every time I walk by him, I stop, and I go, Whoa, like that, that's just a look behind the scenes of what Jacob Pelche is like in that dressing room. And I think he has really done a great job. And I wouldn't say this about many or any rookies that I've come across in the NHL in my nine seasons covering the league, but just keeping things light inside the dressing room. Normally you look at veterans to do that, not a a first year player who's got 22 games under his belt. So uh, I think for this Flames team in particular, where everything has felt heavy all season, he's really helped them, uh, put a smile on their faces, uh, even when that's been tough to do. So I think he's off to a good start in his career, and I think he's going to be an impactful player in his return to the lineup tonight. I'm going to be keeping really close tabs on him in these next two games because I I just think the energy that he can bring back into the lineup is going to be so critical on this back-to-back through Southern California. And 
we keep talking about the 22 in a row that he played before coming back out as a scratch. And, and really, when you go look a little bit closer, in the middle of that 22, when the Flames had their bye, he went down to the minors and played two more. And mm-hmm. we know he plays significant minutes, especially with the Wranglers, but has started to play significant minutes with the Calgary Flames as well. And so that's 24 in a row. And I thought it was really interesting. We heard Daryl Sutter mentioned that he thought he sort of lacked some of that oomph in his game, that he was lacking the energy that makes him so uh, impactful. And, and Jacob talking to reporters today in Los Angeles agreed, he said that he was a little bit tired. And so I'm really curious what he can bring because for a lot of reasons, for the fact that, you know, he's a smart player, he's, he's a good setup man. He's willing to go to the net. He, he can help offensively, but he can also provide that jolt of energy and, and they're really going to need that. And, and I'm just curious. The one thing I'll add is as he gets more and more comfortable in the NHL, I'd love to see Jacob try to make some more plays. He is so responsible that he sometimes cycles the puck back into the corner when I feel like he might have a chance to attack the net or put the defense on their heels a little bit. And I'm sure as a coach, you'll take that. You'll take that sort of caution. But I think he's going to be even more dangerous offensively as he gets comfortable because he's maybe not going to be deferring in some of the ways he is now. I, I've liked him. I think that uh, he's been a positive force more often than not. And yet, now that he's coming back in, and and look, I understand that there has been a lot of frustration in terms of the way that Daryl has managed young players over the last couple of seasons. I get that. I hear it. And and in a lot of ways, I, I agree and I understand with uh, on, on a lot of it. In this one, I actually don't mind, though, because you sit a guy, you, you play him for 22 He's still a 21, 22-year-old player learning the NHL. He's been good, but he does only have seven points in 22 games. It's not like he's been this massive offensive driver for you. I think he has proven that he's been an NHLer and and should be in the NHL, but to sit him out for a couple of games to manage the energy levels, and I fully believe that's what's going on here, and then bringing him back in, I've got no problem with that, especially if that rest and that reset mentally and physically gives him gives him the jolt, which then allows him to give the team the jolt that he's given him before. So I don't mind it at all. Um, and, and I think there's a pretty good chance that we see him in for the vast majority of the rest of the season here. And, and so if, if what it took was a couple of games to sit down to get those energy levels back, I, I get it on this one because you t- I've talked to enough players who it's different if you're Jack Hughes or... Connor McDavid or, you know, like when you're one of the Tim Stutzla, even like when, when you're one of those guys, who's clearly just too good. The NHL is where you belong from the get go. It's different, but I've talked to too many guys, whether it be Andrew Mangiapane or Dylan Dubé or Garnet Hathaway or Josh Juris over the years, guys who have gotten into the NHL played a lot and then maybe have needed that reset. I think it helps for a lot of guys. And so in this case, I, I kind of understand what the group is doing here, what the team's doing. I'm curious to see how he responds. And don't forget, if you travel back in time to when I started calling Flames games back in 2014, 2015, Johnny Gaudreau was a healthy scratch. And then after that, Sam Bennett, the highest pick in franchise history, was a healthy scratch. And then after that, Matthew Kachuk was a healthy scratch. 
I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for a rookie to to watch a game or two from the press box. Now, I don't know where Jacob Pelche watched the last couple of games from. One was on the road and one was at home, and I didn't see him up in the press box by us. Might have been on the other side, not sure. But the game looks different from up top, as we know. Uh, the game looks different from 80 or 100 feet away from the ice, and sometimes you can see things that you quite simply can't see when you're at ice level where the game is way faster than it is from where we watch it from. So, you know, for Jacob Pelche, I think it was a great opportunity for him to get a bit of a reset, both mentally and physically, get that energy level back up because God knows he's got a lot of energy on the ice and off the ice and uh, just kind of take a look at uh, where he's at and, and what he has to do to take the next step as an NHLer. If the Flames miss the playoffs, I could see him going back to the AHL. If they don't, I don't think he'll play another game in that league. That's how highly I think of Jacob Pelche. And I'm looking forward to seeing him. Just to kind of circle back to our first topic today, you know, Nazem Kadri is a guy who, when he plays with energy, uh, can be an absolute terror to play against. And he's going to be sandwiched between two guys who play with a lot of energy tonight, and Jacob Pelche and Dylan Dubé. And it shouldn't be up to Pelche and Dubé to get Kadri going, but if they do, <laughs> that's going to be great for the Flames. No doubt. Thank you, Mr. Wills. Okay, see you soon. He's Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. There's your Monday Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Enjoy up to 18000 delivery credit on cash purchases. The deal ends this Saturday only at Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. It's Wes and Pat with you on this uh, Monday edition of Flames Talk, coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Um, I, I don't know, like... A, I know that you are a big fan of great stories. I don't Cinderella know. Cinderella stories? Yeah, like, you know, the real feel-good rags-to-riches stories? That's what Wes Gilbertson is all about. I just, I don't know if you've written a story about Flamestock Best Bets yet this year. You know, if I would argue in any way, it's that I don't think you were ever regs in my eyes. You were, <laughs> you, know what, you, know, you just mentioned the guys who I did not start who from the were immediate fits. That's a good point. You know what? And that's what I see. I, I would not put you in the press box. And that's not a knock on your press box skills. You're just, you're a first liner. When it comes to best bets, natural. Gen, I'm not generally, I'm getting carried away. I got to look. Nobody goes to get a Diet Coke every four or five games better than I do in the press box. I kill the Diet Coke walks. So. <laughs> um, okay. And I try to limit it. You know, the aspartame is bad for you. Time for your Flames Talk Best Bets on Monday. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. We're on a six-week winning streak. So six straight weeks where we have finished uh, in the black and uh, have finished with a winning record. So let's make it seven starting with Monday's action. I've got one for you for the Flames and Kings. I'm going to go Tyler Toffoli, who is on an absolute roll right now. He's taken on his former team. Team on the road in LA, so I've got uh, I've got Toffoli over half a point or an anytime point for Tyler Toffoli. That's paying minus one fifty, so I like the odds as well. So Toffoli over half a point, and then a couple of shot props elsewhere, elsewhere rather, uh, elsewhere. Nathan elsewhere. Uh, that's what I was. I think that's why I got all screwed up. Power through, buddy. Nathan McKinnon uh, over four and a half shots for the Avalanche as the Avs take on Chicago. And Brady Kachuk of the Senators over three and a half shots versus Pittsburgh. So Toffoli over half a point. McKinnon over four and a half shots. Kachuk over three and a half shots. We've gone 500 on every Monday over the last little bit. So trying to break that streak and give you three 
on a Monday, so I can't go 500. See if we can start the week uh, on a good note and make it seven straight weeks of winning records. On these handy-dandy notes that you print off for me when Uh you remember how to use the printer, Yeah, I've never felt so good about best bets. Really? This might, this feels like a slam dunk 3-0 to me. Wow, you better you better go put some money down if Wes is feeling a three and zero. You have to go put money down, uh, or don't. And if you lose, don't blame me. This is just it's a fun segment. I am not a professional handicapper. Disclaimer: very, very much so. But we have gone six straight weeks with a winning record. So take uh, maybe I am a professional. Get off your wallet. I'm definitely not a professional handicapper. There you go. Those are your Flames Talk Best Bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.